Montana, you barely have the wherewithal to get to work at 10 a.m., let alone sue somebody. There's no suing app on your iPhone. Insult me, that's fine. I'm quitting this job, and it's for sexual reasons. So why don't you write me a check for a thousand bucks, and I drop the lawsuit. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, Hannah, please. Please what? Listen, please don't quit. We, we, we can get past this. You want to get past this? Yeah. I just tried to fuck you, sue you, and extort you. I'm fucking nuts. Why would you want me in your office? Because you're great. I mean, you don't know how to do anything, but you have so much potential. Hello, welcome back to episode five of Girls Girls. I'm Rourke, back with co-host Sarah Beth. Hello. And today we're talking about the episode entitled Hard Being Easy, season one, episode five. I said this to you before we hit record, but I would like to propose my own synopsis, like log line for this episode, which is yes. Marnie activates Charlie's villain origin story and Hannah discovers a weird kink of Adam's. Okay. <laughs> There's no way that, that is the HBO Max description. So if your goal is to match it, fail. Fail, but accurate, no? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is accurate. Um, okay, mine will, mine will be Marnie refuses to let go of a relationship that she should absolutely not be in. <laughs> Hannah attempts to do something for the story to disastrous results. And Jessa manipulates the men around her. Okay. And that's probably closer to the HBO logline. Thank you. Yours was funnier, though. (laughs) What it actually says is, at Jess's advice, Hannah decides to better her story by propositioning her boss. She subsequently retreats to Adam, who has a different idea about the state of their union. Meanwhile, Marnie and Charlie assess their relationship. I think another to your idea about doing our own descriptions, I think it would be nice if we each sort of said like what we thought a theme was for the episode or like, okay. um, And I would say like my theme for this episode is, you know, those TikTok memes of girl, like group chats and where girls are just giving each other horrific advice. And it's, and then it, the next slide is like the blind leading the blind. Yeah. Yeah. That's my theme for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) These people should not be giving each other advice or taking each other's advice. It's a mess. Yeah. I feel like for my theme, I'm, I'm not going to have a witty way to encapsulate it, but I feel like it's like back to their same old shit again. Like no one's learned anything. Any emotional breakthrough or maturity growth has been totally like knocked back down to zero. And it's for everyone. Even Shoshana is not exempt because she has a weird moment. Anyway, we can get to that at a later yeah. day. But no one is exempt. Everyone is like back on their same old shit. Yeah, this is a bad episode for all of them, which I'm sure was intentional. Mm. But it's an odd one to me to have as your like mid-season because I think it's only 10 episodes. Is that right? Yes. And so, yeah, it feels weird to have this be your mid, but, you know. I guess it's in the stage, you know, when you look at like a chart of like how stories broken down, you have like the opening and then it's rising action. 
And mm-hmm. I guess this is just like turning the temperature up, rising action. We've already passed that inciting incident sort of thing. And it's yeah. just ratcheting up the pressure. People are allowed to make mistakes. Like my, a, a friend of mine um, has a great podcast called New Girl, Old Guy, where she talks about the show New Girl with a friend of hers. And something they talk about on New Girl, Old Guy is, is the show Friends or is it Seinfeld? In that, like, are the characters growing or are they never like going anywhere? Mm. And so I think that, our girls are not are growing. I think I think this is more friends than Seinfeld in that way. Yeah. But I do think that they also regress. Yeah. It's like five steps forward, 10 steps back. <laughs> yeah. Opening scene in terms of time jump, almost none. They've they've gone home and Marnie, Hannah and Charlie are having it out. The three of them over what Hannah has written and he forces her to he forces Hannah to perform it in her own voice. Not really sure what that's going to do. It's not a journal, but it's notes for a book. It's a notebook notes for a book. Yeah. (laughs) I took personal offense to the line. A journal implies a girl who rides horses and is really close with her mom. (laughs) Really? Why would that hit close to home for you, Rourke? <laughs> and yet I was not a journal keeper at all. I never could do it. Um, That's because you yeah. were too well adjusted. No, sorry. Yeah. Don't cancel me, people. Um, I So I have a couple thoughts on this scene just overall. Yeah. Hannah is not wrong in any like in anything she says. She just shows massive like lack of empathy for Charlie's pain. And it's the same for how she reacts to Marty, but you get a window into how their relationship works. If someone threw a drink in my face and called me a bitch, like in front of a group of people, I would not be as cool and ready to forgive as Hannah is to Marty. That was sort of shocking to me. I forgot that they just sort of glossed over that. Never comes up. They're fine. Yeah. Crazy. And to your point, it was making me think about how Let's talk about this episode from the perspective of a writer, like somebody watching this show who is making decisions as a writer, because something that made me it made me think about is this idea of how much ownership do you have over other people's stories? And, you know, if you're writing a memoir, like, what do you get to tell? And, um, you know, David Sedaris, for example, is like a great, really well-known memoirist, essayist, and he talks a ton about his family and his husband and the people in his life. And he has also spoken about certain siblings that like don't spend time with him anymore because they don't want to be written about. And I I do think there's something interesting there where Marnie says to her, I think like, it's not your story to tell, like, it's my life. And she's not wrong, but she's also complaining to Hannah 24 seven about it. Yeah. I think if you don't want someone to broadcast your business, don't broadcast it yourself. Like she's way too open about the inner workings of her relationship with Charlie. And there are certain things like in the same way that you probably don't share everything about your own family to your friends, you also shouldn't share everything about relationships that are really meaningful to you to external parties. Yeah, I completely agree. My parents have like a pretty strict, no bad press rule mm. about each other. 
Well, because but, for you, you you're going on the own your own roller coaster of emotions and maybe talking about it is helping you process. But the party that's receiving that is not really there for both the good and the bad. So if you're only complaining about your boyfriend, your friends are going to be like, well, he sounds like a jerk. Just break up with him. And then you break up and then you get back together. And then the friends are like, "Okay, well, we said all this nasty crap about him. And now you're probably going to tell him everything, you know, we said about him. So it's just not good. (laughs) Yeah, completely agreed. And I also I also have a I also have a philosophy that anything I tell one half of a couple, the other the other the partner will probably know. Yeah. And so, for example, when I like tell things to my girlfriends, I have the knowledge of like, I would be fine with their husbands knowing this mm-hmm. story. Yeah. Um, well, because kind of- once you, you know, legally bind yourself to someone, it's sort of a package deal. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just what it is. <laughs> Marnie says, I did nothing wrong. Aye. Let's let's like lay blame in this situation. Hannah is correct. That Charlie snooped to find this. Yes. She did not give this to him. She did not. She did not try to cause this. And that is wrong. She's right about that. I think I think Charlie has blame here. Yeah. And I think we what we just discussed, I think, is where Marnie is in the wrong. Yes, I think they're all to blame. <laughs> Everyone has weirdly defensible of defensive of Hannah here. What has she done wrong? Really? You know what? It's not like. She's in this scenario, she's not wrong and she's not to blame, but they're all to blame for this dysfunctional situation they're in. The community problem, as uh, Charlie is saying. Thank you for bringing that up. I did like the little laces of humor in this scene with the I'm an important part of this community. What community? community? (laughs) You don't pay rent. (laughs) Says Hannah, who has historically not been the most consistent that's what made it perfect. patron of the community let's say and then when he flips the table that's something you do before you hit us don't oh hit god us. my ankle knob and my knee <laughs> also charlie later as we see in his apartment that coffee table is not his best work no he's very he's a skilled craftsman but anyway. i know anyway okay the only other part of that scene that I want to talk about is to your where I to your point a bit ago that Hannah just completely is lacking empathy for the situation is she tries to take this step back and say, but if it wasn't about you <laughs> as a piece of writing, what did you think? Which is a sociopathic thing to ask in that moment. I this was like great acting on um I'm blanking on her name now, but Marnie, when she just like looks at her and sort of tilts her head, I I just felt like, yeah, (laughs) that we know exactly what she thinks. Like Mm -hmm. crazy. So if we may try this, let's just sort of track the Marnie Charlie story. Yes. She decides she's going to get him back. Okay. What do we think of this idea? Hannah gives good advice where she's like, why? Yeah. You never, she's like, you don't seem happy. Yeah. Which is true. She visits Ray because she doesn't have Charlie's address. Crazy. Yeah. I mean. That's a bad sign. It's pretty normal, I would think, for, well, in my, from what I've experienced with myself and then my friends, like, the guy usually comes over to the girl's place unless, like, he has, like, such a better place. 
I've dated people with pets. Oh. And that means you have to go to theirs and it's annoying. Oh. (laughs) You're also anti-pet, so we'll just Mm -hmm. disregard that little (laughs) comment. But anyway. No one was really going to anyone's house. All right. So but let's let's remember back in college, let's say, like for the most part, I feel like I always was the roommate with with the with my friends' boyfriends coming over. And I would, they'd be like, well, you're at the library anyway. And I'm like, valid, but also like, you know, I'm an innocent. I need to get my beauty sleep. But anyway, um, but to not know where your boyfriend's place is, is crazy to me. Like never once did she ever like go there. I, I don't know. Because then she tries to use the argument that it's really hard to get there from work. But how would you know that? And also like. If you live in Bushwick, everywhere is hard to get to. I think they live in Greenpoint. Oh, whatever. You know, same shit. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. But you know what I mean? Like, Brooklyn is not easily accessible. There's only a few subway lines. They're very far apart unless you live in, like, the already gentrified areas. I mean, now where they live is super gentrified. But at the time, it was still turning. It's you have to take the bus in his defense. Yeah. Everyone takes the bus and the subway. Like, it's just a thing. Yeah, it's true. It's just more excuses from her. Exactly. Yes. Ray is being insane with that customer. Can we talk about that for a second? He's totally sexist. This is more incel stuff. He's scary in that scene. Although I will say what he says to Marnie about Charlie is right. Where he's saying, like, you can't treat him this way and you can't do this to him again. Like, if I give you this address, you can't go hurt him. And Marnie says, what, are you in love with him in some or something? And he says, more than you. And I think that that's, he's not wrong there. Ray is an incredibly good friend to Charlie, but he's incredibly sexist and treats the women around him terribly. Hundred percent. Yeah, he's wild for the way he talks to that girl. I've met people like Ray, though they exist. Like oh God, yeah, and maybe not to like the degree where they're being overt in their sexism. But you know, you probably you know people like this. Like they, they're at work, they're at home. You know, you you see them everywhere. Well, she gets the address and she goes there, and it looks like an IKEA showroom, but like in the best way. Oh, my God. It's incredibly impressive. I want to live there. But of course, like this is what I also laughed a little when I saw this, because, of course, like from the outside, it looks like a complete shithole. And then when you go in, it looks like, you know, you have the the exposed brick. You have nice wood floors. Uh, it's just like looks amazing inside. I was like, yes, this is New York in a nutshell. Yeah. I mean, the LA version of that is somebody having like a really nice car park. It's the inverse. It's having like a really nice car parked outside mm-hmm. and then a shithole apartment. Oh. So, yeah, he says, I, I like, I was told, she's really impressed. He says, I always told you to come over. She said, it's not easy to get here. He's like, shut the fuck up. And then I think he says a lot of things that are really right. Yeah. He says, There's nothing keeping us together. You know, we don't have kids. We don't have a mortgage. It's just time. It's just we've invested a lot of time. And I think he's really tapping into something there that a lot of it's the sunk cost fallacy that I think a lot of people fall into at this stage of relationship where it's like, 
we moved in. We bought a couch. We had, we, you know, we lived together. We've spent, yeah. all, like, I can't, I can't start over. Like, How are you going to split over. up the couch? The $500 couch. How can we yeah. split that? Can't <laughs> call the couch doctor. <laughs> I also just think that I also think that Marnie just doesn't like being out of control. Yes. A hundred percent. That's what this is about. That she doesn't like that this. So, you know, I have a girlfriend that recently was like broken up with or not that recently, but like was broken up with by somebody who she deemed kind of less than her. And she was really upset that he did it, not her. Because I think mm. she all knew it really wasn't going anywhere and then was upset when he broke up with her. Because she and lost. Like, exactly. And I was like, girl, who cares? You're free regardless. Like, that doesn't matter. <laughs> but she lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She lost that breakup. This is also like you see a total change in Charlie's demeanor. He's much more decisive. He has that line about I decided on you. It doesn't matter that he doesn't even though he does love her, I think. I don't know. I'm I'm undecided on that. But anyway, he says, I decided on you. And then he lists all these things. And then she's the one begging him to take her back. But yeah. she sort of likes this decisive, I don't care about you, like part of him. Yes, because then when they have sex and are, have like reconnect or decided to make it work. Because she said he, she would, I am his sister more yes, and, and give him give more. more when he wants that closeness during sex, it she's icked again. And it's oh, over. It, it comes back. Roars back. Yep. Does he have a roommate? Why are they on the bottom bunk? It's really weird. I don't think he does. Why would you choose the bottom bunk? To create that, the head hit? But you the suffocation. To a ceiling also. I don't know. It made no sense. But I guess it's like that the, from the show's perspective, it's like the suffocation. She's back being suffocated by him. Yes. Let's talk about the flashback quickly. Mm -hmm. Their meeting is really sweet. I love this. Yeah. And I think you can see. I do think it helps you understand how things got started. And it reminds me actually of the moment where the couple that Jessa babysits for come stumbling in and they're making out and you can kind of see the affection that they have for each other. And so I do think the flashback was helpful in the sense that it, the, the viewer has only ever seen Marnie kind of resent and hate him. Yeah. And it shows their relationship actually having a nice moment. Yeah. And how it started. And it's so she is so strange to me where she's like, you watch porn. Oh my God. Like get over yourself, girl. Is he supposed to think about your like really controlling and depressing sex while he Apparently, jerks off? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but it also show, it also has a nice moment where Hannah and Jessa are completely the same. Yeah. I love that. And, and, What's his face? I'm blanking on his name again, Elijah. but Hannah's boyfriend, Elijah. Yeah. Ha- I love Elijah in this scene. And I love that she still did not know he was gay. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I did my makeup the way you wanted. <laughs> oh, the scissor sisters. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Huge, huge flags. Um, can I also talk about the bangs? The bangs in this episode, in this flashback, and then also at the, at the uh, coffee shop. Okay, I had these bangs. It was a moment. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was definitely a bangs girl because I have a big, I have a really big forehead. And I, feel I like- mean, 
I'm yeah, motioning to my enormous forehead right now, too. We both have five heads. Let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you are often told it like balances your face. Thanks <laughs> if you have a big forehead. I think all our listeners, because they match ourselves as the demographic, uh, everyone had a moment where if they did not get bangs, they considered bangs. And it was almost always a mistake. Totally. And I think that I, I've had a guy friend tell me this, and I think it's pretty funny. He says he's like, I think that like very stereotypically like hot women, like models, actresses, whatever, will get pretty like crazy hair, like very short hair, like severe bobs, like bangs, stuff like that. And that then normal people think that they can pull it off. And it's like, no, they are doing this (laughs) to fuck with you. Like, That they are actually trying to like fuck with average women by getting things that like a normal person could not sustain, both in terms of how they look. And then also the amount of time, like those people have professionals helping them every fucking day make that look good. Whereas we're rolling out of bed trying to make it work and it's not fucking working. Did you ever like just wash your bangs because like the rest of your hair was good, but the the bangs were very greasy. So you had to like just wash the bangs and blow dry the bangs and straighten the bangs. Literally all the time. (laughs) Oh my God. That alone, after like a week of having them, I was like, I'm over the shit. Got to grow this out. Of all the things that Charlie asks for, or that, so Marnie offers a variety of things. um, And then he kind of asks for some, I want you to be nicer to my friends, et cetera, et cetera. The one that hit me the most and actually shows that I think he has a lot of insight into what their dysfunction is, is act like my life is real. Yeah. And that was really sad. Really sad. Because he's right. He hit the nail on the head, to use another cliche. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like we said, her ick comes roaring back when he says, I love you during sex. She bangs her head and breaks up with him again. Like, everything he told her not to do, she just did it again. It's the same old shit. Yeah. And... Depending on how much you remember the show, do you think we're going to see, do you think he comes back? What do you think his future with the show is? When I watched it at the first time, I thought he would be in it as a main regular, like throughout. And I thought that their dysfunction would come in and out. And if I'm watching it right now, I think um, he'll probably be in and out, but I don't know how much, I, I guess like my indication that he doesn't go away is that they've, Ray is still around and Ray is part of Charlie, right? So like they've developed Ray enough that like she if they didn't need Ray, she could have just gone to his apartment. Like they didn't need that scene. That scene is exposition about Ray and Marnie and their relationship together. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, Ray's such a dirtbag. I yeah, don't know. He's really bad this episode. I I found that hard to watch. You want to switch to Hannah? Yeah, it's hard to break Hannah and Jessa. Let's let's start with like their walk because yeah. and then kind of follow Hannah because Jessa's insane for this advice. Jessa, but is it yeah. surprising? No, it, let's you know, sorry for the people who are not watching along with us. They both are saying wild things in this conversation. She des- she describes her situation with her boss and Jessa says, like, you kind of like it and then says you should hump him. Oh, yeah. And she goes, no, he's like 100 years old. Or no, she says that later to Adam. Sorry. She says, why would I do that? And Jessa says for the story. 
And I think Jessa is very much like cut from the same cloth as the other women in the office where Jessa sees Jessa has an internal logic to a decision such as that. Whereas, which is crazy to be clear. That's not, it's not good or actually rational at all, but like Jessa's mind can make it right. And it's so bad. I think the thing with Jessa is she has a worldview and a logic, like you said. And so her actions, you can easily point to how she gets there. Hannah ping pongs between different people's worldviews and logic. So she's totally unhinged. I feel like Hannah throughout, like I was watching, I was making my husband watch the episode with me. He's like, why is Hannah so stupid? And I was like, I don't know. That's a fundamental theme throughout the series. (laughs) No, and that's a really, that's a very good point that Hannah doesn't seem to have a compass that she's just sort of bouncing around. And then she says something that is really not accurate, though, boy, do I know people with this view. She says, Adam's my boyfriend now. And Mm. Jess is like, what? And Hannah says, yeah, I told him all this stuff and he touched my face and he kissed me and told me to be who I am. And he's my boyfriend. Oh, God. Of all the stuff he did in that interaction, the one thing he didn't do was say, I'm your boyfriend. (laughs) And this is this is what I mean by the blind leading the blind. And like this is, you know, the girls at brunch being like, oh, my God. And he did this. And we're totally on the same page. Da, da, da. And yeah. all her friends are like, yes, girl. He like loves you. This is amazing. And it's like, no, somebody needs to say no. It's like reading way too much into details that no one else knows they're doing. Correct. <laughs> I mean, we're all guilty of this. That's at points in our lives, like where you say, oh, well, he said this thing. If he liked me, he would have he wouldn't have said it like that. And everyone's right. like, uh-huh. OK, <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but yeah, so this this walk is absolutely insane. Um, she then goes to work, proceeds to have the cuckoo bananas moment of the episode. <laughs> Soliciting a sexual encounter, then telling him you're going to sue him in a class action lawsuit. It and then class action, if anyone's interested. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so please. <laughs> as, the, as the lawyer in the room, please. <laughs> Those would have to be filed as individual claims, if anyone's interested. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I hate myself for that. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, she even admits the three things she does. She tries to fuck him, threatens to sue him, and then extorts him. <laughs> Oh, God. And she doesn't even follow through on the extortion. Immediately lets it go. Yeah. I, you know, he, the character is really gross, but I love him in this scene because it's like he actually sees the world clearly. And it's, it's obvious that his sexual harassment of his employees is all about power. He's not actually interested in a sexual encounter. It's just about power. And he sees it as I'm allowed to do this. And in, In an exchange, I'm a very forgiving boss. It's purely a transaction in the context of the workplace. But once it exceeds those boundaries, he doesn't want it. It's not a part of like, I think a lot of the it's funny. It's like you watch The Wire, right? Mm -hmm. You know, one of the the main sort of theses of that show is a man must have a code. Mm -hmm. And 
obviously many of the codes in that show are like the codes of the street and that like you kill that person, not that person. You never deal to those people. Like what, like the, the, and you know, that's, you're operating in a space that's already out of the code of many people, but like, that's what kind of makes it interesting. And like, this guy has a code, right? Yeah, he does. That he has this line where he like, won't cheat on his wife. And I do think there's this between him and then Jess's ex, there is this sort of bubbling subplot of like hypocrisy. Yeah. And like claiming to like doing things, but not like doing them or, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not sorry. This is not a full form thought. I'm well, what do you, I mean, I do think you're right though, about that. There is a parallel with Jess's storyline in this one with Hannah about the hypocrisy of these men who are trying to make a point to these women. Right. Yeah. And I wonder, what do you think about that scene with Hannah's boss? Like what? It, I don't really know how to process what, happen there because he's very like relatable in that like what are you talking about hannah you're not gonna do that let's just recover from this and he's doing sort of a nice thing but he's a really icky guy i don't really know how to read that what do you think yeah no i found this scene hard for a lot of reasons because i find i find even hannah's motivation really thin like the idea of doing that for the story is so degrading and sad. And frankly, he saves her from herself in that regard. Yeah. By not meeting her there. Like, I wonder if he just, to your point, can clearly see her as like, this is a lost person. And if she can just learn how to like show up every day on fucking time. And if like we can get her on track, then like she could be a person. And you don't know how to do anything, but you have a lot of potential. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just, yeah, it's completely crazy. Because part of the problem is, right, if she ever, like, her wings, like, have to be sort of, like, clipped to a degree. Because mm -hmm. if she ever got the full power, she would do something about it. She would stand up to him and quit. But, like, for it to go this way is where she is right now. And that's a total yeah. mess. But no, the scene was very, very hard to watch. So um, cuckoo bananas. Yeah. How is this girl making any money? Like she does the opposite of any good choice mm -hmm. of building a career. Yes. And, you know, Adam sort of says that he's like, maybe you're not like cut out for a normal job. <laughs> <laughs> he's not um, wrong. <laughs> yeah, he's not wrong there. So Jessa... I was really Jessa like goes to the apartment of where she babysits, but the kids aren't there. And then she's I, this, the timeline of this. Very confusing to me. I wonder if a scene got edited out. Yeah, of I this think final cut, but whatever. Maybe she was there to help them get ready. And then, you know how if they're at like day camp or something, there's a break. So she has sort of like a little bit of time. But it's so this scene made me uncomfortable, too, because you see the Catherine Hahn character recognizing there's something off, but still trying to be like the cool girl and yes. like play it off and not be the jealous one. Cause also I have a feel. this is an example of, I think where women don't trust their gut. Mm -hmm. Just believe, trust your gut, believe that something is amiss here. And also being like told repeatedly, like, oh, there's nothing like you want to be the cool one. You don't want to be the one who's you don't want to 
be like needy, even though this is not needy. This is like, oh, your husband's doing something sketchy and inappropriate. Yes. Yeah. And I think Jessa, Jessa very strategically gives her like two kisses on each cheek and then says, bye, Jeff, to the husband. Oh, God. Which I just think is very manipulative. So manipulative. She has him on the hook. Yeah. I love the the little call out to the boogie boards and the like storage unit. It's like very like, oh, look at these middle class people and their storage unit. My family loves the storage unit. (laughs) She meets up with her ex. Ugh, the epitome of a hipster douchebag from the from the 2000s with his little mustache where was he in visiting from did she say san francisco yeah no one in san francisco dresses like that i was gonna say that doesn't (laughs) land these hannah or uh luna donham has apparently never been to san francisco because that man is straight out of brooklyn yeah he's only brooklyn actually Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. or maybe the east side of la i you're better to speak to that i've never seen anyone dress like that in san francisco no it's crazy no literally no He's talking all about how much he likes Gillian with a hard G, which Jessa obviously ignores and calls her Jillian. Jessa is just undermining this woman at every turn. She's old. She could be a mom. She doesn't actually have a job. She's just 38 and old. I know. (laughs) For them, that's like 15 years, I guess. Yeah, that's true. How old is this guy supposed to be? I don't know. It's hard for me to tell under that mustache. <laughs> it's so gross. I hate him. Anyway, he's gross. Yeah. yeah. But she has him like dialed in. She knows exactly what he wants. Uh, absolutely. And again, we get back to sort of like her internal logic here where I don't think she wants this man. I, like, I don't think she's attracted to him. I don't know. I, I don't think she wants to have sex with him for any stereotypical reason i think she literally like i think she wants to get a leg up on him and then i also think she wants to point out his own hypocrisy yeah a hundred percent and she knows that and that's up front in the episode her lying to shoshana at the end after she calls shoshana a perv is that i'm unsmotable i feel dumb so i know that's the past tense of smite but like what does that even mean it's like to, I had to look this up because I was like smite as in like the biblical sense of smite, right. like to n- knock someone down. So I took it like when you smote someone, you are sort of striking them down with force. Right. So like her thing is like, you can't defeat me. I win. Yes. OK, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I follow that. But it was weird because it's a very it's a very uh, adventurous isn't the right word, but it's a very profound way of using that term and what she's doing is not profound she like slept with him and then rejected him yeah she swerves him when he tries to kisses her oh yeah that was good tries to kiss her wow that was yeah so the scene where they have that very rushed sex out the window i texted you the music is so white lotus yeah it's this just horrifically cacophonous sort of atonal messy music yeah, it was really difficult to watch. And that scene, how it's shot, where you have the like really dramatic and sort of fantasized side of it, where you're looking from outside the building in and you see her through the window and it looks, 
I mean, it's not cool, but it sort of is a cool composition. Yeah. And then you see it from Shoshana's perspective, this sad, pasty little man with who hasn't even taken his feet out of his pants. So they're sort of handcuffed at the bottom with his bare ass. And it's like the opposite of fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's this is our only Shoshana moment of the episode. She just she's watching, um, having a little voyeur moment from behind the curtain. What do we think of the show having this one little beat in the episode? I thought it was a great beat. I love that they added this part where she's horrified, which I think all of us would be sort of horrified. And then she has this thing where she looks a little longer. She and then she the whole time. And then she bites the curtain. And I'm like, ooh, you are a little pervy because you liked it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I think that she's, you know, she's figuring herself out here in this in this arena, right? Where... She just does. She has not. This is all new to her. And I think she's kind of intrigued and envious and her kind of she's trying to, I think, open her worldview in in that in that realm. I love the I also love how Jessa interacts with Shoshana because she's like, oh, you little perv. And then she's and then she goes on to explain she's not upset at all. She sort of likes that she's witnessed this new side of Shoshana. I thought that was like a nice moment. Yeah, it was in the sense that like she doesn't like shame her or make her feel embarrassed or weird about it. She's sort of playful with her. And, you know, obviously calling someone like a perv isn't exactly like a compliment, but she's kind of laughing through it. But the way she says it, it's clearly like she doesn't really care. Totally. Yeah, Jessa would not care. That's very. Yeah. So then um, I guess Hannah does has quit her job, um, which makes sense. We probably can't get Richard Masser for another episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And she goes over to Adam's. And, who is like yeah. d- using a blowtorch on something. He's I love these weird little projects that I don't think we ever see an outcome of anything. No. This is really interesting to me. Adam says to her, everything bad happens to you. Nothing <laughs> bad has happened to her. <laughs> she has created every problem and nothing is really that big of a fucking problem. Like her life is damn good. Yeah, and then I like that he says, it sounds like everything that happens to you is made up. Because it is. (laughs) Yes. He has, um, you know, I don't think what he did after she did her big speech was nice because they slept together. And yet he didn't really change his stance. But this is him in a moment sort of drawing a line in the sand and saying, like, we're not together because you don't want to be with me. And you're sad and it's not really working. I do think that is sort of, he has, he accurately articulates the rule. I think for friends with benefits where once someone is not having fun anymore, it's got to stop. Then that is not a functional. It's not a functional thing. And she does lie. She says, but I am having fun. And he's like, no, he calls her on that. No, you're not. She isn't. She objectively isn't. She is secretly sad, secretly sad. Yep. And then to your point, he certainly in the past interaction didn't help at all by being like, well, you seem sad. So I kissed you. But then we had sex because we were kissing is like really not a response. No, that is bananas logic. Yeah. And I love how she's I it's so where he says it happens. People outgrow each other. And she says, well, I don't want to outgrow you. And he said, well, kid, that's your problem because I'm done growing. Yeah. Yeah. So somebody can only ever outgrow him. That that made me sad. And it sort of plays into the absurdity of the next scene. But he it's like he's resigned himself to being 
the type of person that someone outgrows and leaves behind because he's not worth bringing along for the ride. It's sad. It's totally sad. It's too very. And like, it's funny that they're saying that it's funny. It's comical. The idea that he's done growing. It is because like, these are two stunted people that really need some fucking growth. Yeah, they're totally stunted. They need a lot of growth. And if he's done growing, that's really problematic. Huge concern. Yeah, huge concern. Hannah goes to the bathroom and looks really sad. Yeah, this is very sad. She's great. She's a great actor. I mean, these scenes are very, you know, I look at some of the other people in this show and I feel like, man, Lena's like very talented. Yeah. And I've had, you know, I... I think at the time of watching this, I probably hadn't, I didn't have, so I didn't have a ton of dating experience in college and this would have come out like right after college. And so it's interesting because I think at the time I didn't really like relate to this moment, but now like I do much more in that I've had conversations with men that like didn't go how I wanted. Right. Like I Mm. asked for something that they weren't willing to give and I was either like forced to sort of, which was a mistake. I accepted less than I wanted because that's what they they were like. I was like, I want $10 and they were like, you can have five. And I was like, I'll take five, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I've had moments where like, I need to excuse myself and like to kind of take a break because I was like really sad and I didn't want them to see that or whatever. And so it's like, it's interesting. I, I definitely have had more experiences like that now than I had the first time I watched it. When I saw this scene, I was brought back to that er earlier in the episode when Marnie says, like, you don't know what it's like to be loved that much. I think this is also like in the same way Shoshana is very insecure about never having had sex. Like Hannah's really insecure about not having like a relationship too. like it's similar to Shoshana. I mean, she's had the physical part, but she hasn't really had anyone as a partner. Really? I mean, Elijah Maybe, but, you know. Yeah, that seems to be of questionable. And I think this is like something she feels like she can't write about, right? Like she hasn't lived through it. And that's something that really um, hits at the core. Yeah, absolutely. And then she comes out back out of the bathroom, which questionable amount of time has passed. He is jerking off and she proceeds to like degrade him. Because she reads the room and she notices that he likes it when she's being shitty to him. Yes. Can I tell you, I have a friend who will like she like gets paid to like degrade men. Stop. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. She'll do like over text or over like FaceTime or like over the phone. Oh, yeah. Whenever she's like in a bad mood, she'll like make a little money that way. Oh, is it? It must be lucrative. Yeah, I think it is. Lucrative and satisfying emotionally. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, yeah, I sort of this is like a window into why he's stunted, though. Right. Like, yes, it's like mommy issues and never getting approval and weird. I don't it's not. Well, it's understandable, but it's it's not like healthy. No, very agreed. And even if like. It's also very non-mutual. You know, when she tries to join, he's like, nope. That's not what this is about. Mm-hmm. I do love that she, I hope, like, I love that she takes the money. That that tickles Yeah, me. well, why not at this point? Yeah. <laughs> you only have hundreds. Fuck. <laughs> um, 
And so, you know, I don't know if like there's there's no way that that's not a breakup. Like she's going to come back for more here. Um, so we've, he, we're not losing Adam anytime soon. Yeah, for sure. And you also get a sense that like he actually wants someone to sort of go toe to toe with him. Right. Tit for tat of challenging him. He doesn't like it that whenever she rolls over and just accepts his abuse, he wants someone to sort of slap him around in return. Yeah, absolutely. No. And that's why I think he reacted. That's I think that's in part why he reacted the way he did last episode when she finally stood up for herself. Yeah, it was attractive to him. Mm -hmm. Well, I would say that this is probably my least favorite episode so far. I agree. And then it was hard to watch. It was very hard to watch for me. Oh, very hard to watch. Yeah, I I I don't. It's funny. Like, do I have a problem watching people just completely fuck up? I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's like our own neuroses of being like, we must achieve success and yeah. we are only children and women must have extra to prove. I don't know whether it's like feeding into something that's a little bit toxic, but uh, that's how I feel. Yeah. Cause I do think, you know, there are a million shows where like men are fucking around and fucking up and I don't know, whatever. Yeah, maybe it's maybe it is that because it's meant to be a relatable show. So you sort of see aspects of yourself in these women. And then when you see them do these really cringy things, it doesn't always feel secondhand. It feels like, oh, no, like I remember doing this reminds me of that thing I did that I'm still like embarrassed about, even though it's 10 years ago. And next week we have episode six, which is called The Return. Mm, Whose return? We'll find out. All right. Well, good to see you as always. And if you guys want to submit questions about episode seven, please do at girlsgirlspod at gmail.com. So don't submit questions about episode six at this point. Submit them about episode seven, which is a really fun episode. Or they could be broad questions, not related to a specific episode. Totally. All righty. Well, have a great rest of your day. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, talk to you later.